Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Today, I'm joined by Laura Briggs, founder of Ladies Petite Clothing Brand, The Shortlist. This is my second time chatting with Laura as we spoke before the brand was launched, and you can catch that in episode seven of Start, Scale, Succeed. Now we're about eight months on, and today, Laura and I are going to be discussing the highs and the lows, the real behind the scenes of when a brand launches and the following months, and not just the glossy highlights that people share on Instagram. Thank you, Laura, for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Now, for those that don't know your brand or your story, could you talk through why you started The Shortlist and who the brand is for? Yeah, sure. So The Shortlist came up a couple of years ago now. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it was during lockdown. I was sat in the park with my fiance and I was really unhappy in my job. I worked for myself in recruitment at the time. He knew I was really unhappy in my job. And at the time, I was complaining about how difficult it was to find clothing when you're short. I think I'd noticed that there was a real sort of burst of new boutiques for girls who are of average height, and I couldn't shop at any of them. And he said, I think you should start your own brand. I think you'd be really good at it. I don't know why he thought that. I had absolutely no experience of clothing whatsoever. I don't know. I think it's because where I was with, you know, being unhappy at work and but maybe because it was lockdown as well and it was a strange time. But I said, I'm going to research it for a week, you know, just as a throwaway comment. But I did. And I just found that it was crazy that there wasn't more stuff for petite girls. And I, the more I got sort of embroiled in it, the more I thought I could I could really do justice to it. So it just all sort of went from there. And I did it alongside my recruitment for about six or seven months. And then I went, launched my Instagram account last February and then I launched last June and it's it's crazy now. Sometimes I have to pinch myself and realize I don't do recruitment anymore. And, you know, I run a fashion brand and it's just come out of nowhere, really. And I think as well, like the power of LinkedIn, because I, I actually first followed you from that po- your last your last recruitment post yes. in LinkedIn. I don't know how many views it's now had um, since, but it went viral, didn't it? Yeah, crazy. I And this is the thing. I mean, this was really my launch pad and I've got so much to thank for this post, but it came out of nowhere. I think because I worked for myself, I had no way of making finishing recruitment after six years feel really final. And I'd been used to posting on LinkedIn every week anyway. And I was always really honest. You know, I had a very personal brand. And so I just went on to say, look, I've been miserable all this time. I've been turning up and trying to do the right thing for my business, but actually recruitment's not for me. I'm going to try this other thing instead. And you know, thanks. And here's where you can find me. And it absolutely blew up. And I think the reason was because so often when people leave a job, they're leaving employment and they can't say anything for fear that it's going to reflect badly on their employer. But for me, it was just about not being happy where I was and having a stab at something else. And I think a lot of people found it very relatable. And yeah, I got about four and a half thousand followers in the space for about a week. And it was (laughs) was crazy. It's crazy. But I think if that hadn't happened... I don't know where I'd be now. So yeah, it's been amazing. And I think it's it's 
it's a good tip for people, you know, if they are worried about posting something or they think, you know, just go ahead and do it. You don't know what is going to happen from that post or that, you know, like you said, you got so many followers from that. I found you from that, from LinkedIn to then Instagram. And I think so many other, you know, like you say, 4,000 other people did as well. And I know people follow you that aren't petite and they're just like your story and seeing how, mm-hmm. how the brand is evolving. Yes. And um, so when we spoke, we talked, we talked pre-launch and it's all very exciting and there's a lot going on and, and you were great with the build-up and the teasing and the countdown and bringing yeah. customers on your dirt journey you know I was just like what is it you know show me the prints show me the dresses <laughs> what was going on behind the scenes at that time that kind of like week or two weeks just before launch it had all been so muddled to be honest because I had no background experience I was just feeling my way through getting to launch and I'd heard that you needed to start before you know a few months before you launched because people had to get to know you and they had to sort of become slightly attached to the brand so I you know filled that time doing a post every single day for four months that was all about you know the brand mission and you know just fun behind the scenes stuff but actually I was sort of scrabbling to get this collection together and there were a lot of last minute changes because I'd accepted designs that actually then I realized I didn't love and I wouldn't buy myself and I did some changes on prints and I got a new designer to come in and do some um, work on some of the dresses and had multiple fittings and things and really it was just figuring out how to get a product to launch and it wasn't smooth and it wasn't shiny at all but it taught me so much and I think making mistakes has probably been the best thing in a way that I've ever done because I I can't believe it's just been a year really like I've grown so much and I, I think I think it's just a necessary part of the journey. I know and I think that with mistakes it's just it's definitely everyone is going to make them. It's just important to learn from them and move on and not really dwell on it or beat yourself up about it. You know, yeah. whether you have experience or whether you don't, it, it's happened, get over it, move on to the next thing. Don't let, you know, learn from it and, and move on. And then we get to launch night and what, what happened then? Oh, it was a nightmare. So the, the website, the website wasn't, oh, I don't have the technical jargon for this, but it wasn't sort of robust enough to yeah like what do they call it sort of launched and allowed to like sort itself out long enough before people were all going to flock to it um and obviously nobody's seen the website before it was you know it was a full launch it wasn't just you could buy the collection but the website went live and I had thousands of girls all go there at the same time and it crashed and it was just awful I was sat there I was having a glass of champagne trying to relax after god knows how many months of you know waiting for it and I was so nervous anyway about whether people would buy things and yeah just went up in smoke and so I was getting on Instagram stories and saying I'm so sorry girls we're trying to figure this out and then I looked increasingly haggard as the night went <laughs> and said I think we're going to live I think we're going to leave this and we're going to do it. Tomorrow. Champagne went down and the vodka came out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I'd washed off all my makeup and I was in my pajamas by the end of it. But I, I didn't sleep that night and I got up early the next morning and I did an Instagram post that said, you know, you get that 503 message when a website page won't load. I did yeah, a 503 yeah. short girl stampede or something and made a joke of it and said, we'll do it again tonight. And it went again without a hitch, but it was so anticlimactic after that because there was all this build up, and then there was a load of stress, and then don't know it took the shine off things, but it's just it's just one of those bumps in the road that you've got to look back and laugh about. But do you know what I think with that? I mean, okay, so it it 
it didn't work that night, but it did work the following day. But I think your your communication with the customer and keeping them informed, you know, was was really good. And I think that's what's important for people to to understand is things will go wrong. Just keep your customer informed. Let them know what's happening, you know, that their, you know, orders will get to them or they'll be able to place or, you know, it's not life and death, but just keep, no. you know, keep your customer. Yes. It, it, you know, keep, <laughs> yes. Keep your customers people, people were really understanding that, you know, so many of them said, look, this happens to much, much bigger brands than yours. This is technology. This, you know, this is always a potential problem. Don't worry about it. And yeah, they helped me get perspective on it. But you've got so much emotion around this kind of stuff. And you're so nervous that things like this, they can really knock you for six. But yeah, it gave it a week and I felt fine about it again. And so explain the the format of your business. Is it collections twice a year just talk me through that so last year I launched my spring summer collection in June at the beginning of June and then I did a sort of what I call like a transitional mini collection that wasn't really planned but I saw potential for some of the pieces to come out in different colors and there was also a dress that I had to pull from the first launch that we then redesigned and released at the same time so I did that in August and that was just four pieces And then I did an autumn winter collection, which came out at the end of November. Um, But it was very full on. That's a huge amount of work and also just not financially a good move for a small business. So I'm going to move to just do two collections a year for my next next year. Um, And I just think it allows you time to restock things if they're popular or bring things out in new colorways and do them as sort of surprise drops rather than a sort of a whole launch, which, you know, involves a lot of extra work. Yeah. And like you say, you get the time then to kind of understand what your best sellers are and, you know, and things that you might, you might have fabric left over from something that you've not put yeah. into that shape and you can put it into a new shape or, you know, into your best selling shape. So it's, it gives you that opportunity to, to test and repeat and, and learn and then exactly. hopefully make more sales. And what's been your main or that you've needed the most help? What, what have you found the most difficult? There's so much technical stuff to learn. And I feel like I have made every mistake that I could possibly make, but it's kind of trying to ride those waves. And, you know, some of them isn't seen publicly. Some of it is seen publicly, but it's always sort of managing that. And I think, I think one of the hardest things after the initial launch is that you've had eight months of sort of researching your business and, getting everything ready behind the scenes. And then you've gone live on Instagram and you've had four months of building people up and then you've had a launch and it's, you know, been really exciting. And then you realize, well, this is it now. Now I've just got this in between time that I have to figure out what I'm going to do. There's no build up anymore. I'm having to sort of maintain momentum. I'm having to sell on a regular basis. And I think that's been hard for me because I did very small quantities of things. So my first collection sold out very quickly. And then I was back to where I had been before. I've got nothing to sell. I'm having to fill time. It was quite good because I did sort of people wearing my pieces and, you know, it was sort of proof of concept. But then it's, I had to sort of adjust to that because I then sold out very quickly of my second launch. And then for my one that I've just done, my autumn winter collection, I bought more of things because I, th- I thought it's just not a natural way to do business, to sell for a, a week or two Feast weeks. Feast famine, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's, but it's been a shift with my sort of the, my customers as well to know that there are 
things that are always there to buy. And you start to realize that not everybody's ready to buy when that collection first goes live. So you're trying to find a sort of natural rhythm to things where you continue to sell, but also to engage your followers through other things that they're used to. And I think that those kind of posts and that behind the scenes sort of journey is always going to be part of the shortlist brand. It's not for a lot of other retailers, but I think I'm trying to carve out my own way of doing things. Mm -hmm. I have to sell and otherwise the business can't exist. But at the same time, I try to give my followers more, you know, entertain them, educate them, be relatable, show them behind the scenes, share my journey, which I think a lot of people are invested in. And it's just been, it's been hard to sort of marry all of that stuff together, especially when I'm just one girl behind the scenes, figuring everything out, often feeling very lonely. And you, you're finding a level of how much of that I share. Yeah. Not a very public person either. So I know people want to see stuff about me and I'm finding, you know, I'm not natural in front of the camera. So it's just trying to figure out some sort of rhythm. I think that's probably the best way I can explain it. I think you do yourself a disservice. I think you're great in front of the camera when I see your your Wednesday stories, but I understand that it's something that may not come naturally to you but you look natural in front of the camera. Sure. But you know, somehow, you know, some people would be very comfortable to sort of talk about their, their life. You know, I have to force myself to go on there on a Wednesday and go, right. um, I'm not natural just going on and just being Laura. So I'll think what are five interesting things I can tell someone about and make it concise and put captions on and, you know, even put little sort of markers so that people can skip through to the bits they're interested in. Yeah. Some people, you know, it's more that sort of influencer territory where you're happy to just get up and talk to people and people are just interested to hear from you. I struggle with that sort of balance. So I'm trying to figure it out with the shortlist because the shortlist is a brand that I see as separate to myself, which is why I say we and all the rest. Um, But I know that people are also invested in how I'm figuring this out and getting to a place of success sort of behind the scenes. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, you're very... I would say that you're a very logical thinker. From what I've seen, you know, you're very, you approach things very logically. And even the way you sure. said, you how you do your Wednesdays stories yes. like behind the scenes, right? What are the five things? It's all quite, it's logical and thought out, but still comes across really natural, which is great. And so up until this point, have you been doing anything from a, a marketing and advertising point of view? Have you invested finances in that yet? That's a really topical question, actually, because no, I didn't. And my fiance, who's a bit more, you know, he's good with all this sort of stuff. He kept mentioning that I should do some advertising and I was going to do it in the run up to my autumn winter collection. But I was really struggling figuring figuring out how to do it. So ended up just after then. It was beginning of December and I started throwing £35 a day at Instagram advertising. Just see how it goes. And it's been fantastic, actually. In a month, I thought I think I gained 400 followers, which I'm hoping my plan is that by the time the next collection comes around, they'll hopefully be ready to buy. So yeah. I, I can't know yet whether that's there are go, they're going to be conversions. But just getting your brand out in front of more people, I think I just realized unless I started throwing money at it, I wasn't just going to grow organically. Um so that's the plan. I'm keeping on with advertising now. And yeah, it seems really positive, but I don't know until the next collection launches. And I saw in your post that you put a LinkedIn that you're spending about £35 a day on advertising. That's right. Yeah. And I think, I suppose one thing that I would say is just making sure that you know what you're 
doing with advertising because people can spend, throw a lot of money at it. And there might be just things that they can tweak to then really get it to convert because, you know, getting the followers is great. And like you say, they will hopefully eventually buy. Um, And, but it's, you really want to be able to see that conversion from the spend, you know, so, you, you know, your return on ad spend. And how are you doing from, are you using email marketing much? Yeah, so I I do email marketing. I do a mix of sort of sales stuff. I I sort of jumped about with it. I think at first I was using it the way I use Instagram to sort of nurture people and also to give them a bit more sort of behind the scenes what was going on. And then I realized, you know, it's a marketing tool. I need to be using it to sell. Then I was doing quite punchy sort of sales emails that still had good copy and, you know, were a bit of fun. And now I think I'm trying to do a balance of the two. I think you have to, I think you have to make the people who are on your email list feel like they're getting value. Yeah. People who aren't aren't getting. So it can't just be a repeat of your Instagram. But also you have to realize that that that's how you sell. You know, you don't sell on Instagram, not nearly as much as you do on email. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure all of that out. But I mean, and that like I said, that will come as well, but email is such a good way for people. And like I said, some people, some people forget clients I've spoken to. It's when they're like, Oh God, do I really have to? And I'm like, yeah, you know, because if they're on your email list, they want to be spoken to, they want to be part of your world. And, you know, and you're not going to sell in every, you might not sell in a very selling way in every email, but it's telling them what's new, what's great about something, you know, whatever. And I think as you, um, you know, you're, when you're looking at, as you're going to have different collections, not different collections, but you're going to have newness of things that work, you'll have more to talk about from a sales point of view as well and to yes. share. Yes. And have you um, gone down the route of influencer marketing yet? No, I haven't. I did briefly reach out to a few girls after the advice of a follower who's in that sort of field. Mm-hmm. Never got any replies and then I think I felt glad about it because I'd never really found somebody who I thought was right for the brand either because you know they did a lot of fast fashion stuff or because they Mm. were too young or just I think my gut was telling me that it wasn't right for me that's not to say never but at the moment I, I don't think I'm particularly interested right now. I think maybe it's just like you say, it's finding that right influencer that suits you and your brand, not someone that's into fast fashion, because that's not what your brand is about. And, you know, it's it's quality, it's a more premium price point, and that those an influencer has those type of followers that are, you know, that that everything make, would make sense and that it's aligned with you. Because it is from a um from a spend point of view and a a return even if you gift, you know, so I'm not talking about paying someone to do it, but the return that you get, I think it's like five, if you spend, if you invest a dollar, you get $5 back mm-hmm. is essentially a stat that I've heard. So it's something that I would, you know, revisit. And what have been your amazing milestones since you, um, since you have launched? I think a couple of the best ones have been the PR thing, because I've, I've never gone out and tried to get PR. Um, and I got, featured in the independent, which was amazing. And that I think they did the 30 best places to shop if you're petite, but I sort of got a special mention as sort of a new brand that was one to yeah. get excited about, which was amazing. And then I got one in who, what, where as well, which is great. That's fantastic. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, really good. You know, aimed right at my sort of 30 something target market and a really smart sort of, um, yeah, smart website for, you know, fashionable, fashion conscious mm-hmm. 30 
something. So to be featured in that was amazing. It's something that I want to do more of. I think I need to get invest in sort of ghost cutouts of my pieces so that they can be featured. Um, so that's something that I'm going to look at for the next collection. But yeah, it's it's exciting. It makes it feel very real when you see when you see your name in print. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> and so I know eight months on, you're still learning every day. I think every business learns every day. What with what you have learned, what are now the next steps for the shortlist? So it's and where, of, where do you want it to kind of, I suppose, what are the next steps, but what's maybe your ultimate vision if that, if you can share that, but let's talk about next steps first. My next step. So is to trim down to two launches a year and make the most out of these pieces. I think so much work goes into making sure that each piece is gorgeous and I don't want them to suddenly drop off the face of the earth once I've done a launch. So if they're popular, I'd like to do new colorways, reimagine pieces, um, and I think that's the way to get the best out of all the work that we're putting into things. And the other side is being strategic. I've changed a lot about the way that I look at my business over the past couple of months. And I think it's like you said, now that I'm investing in advertising, it's constantly looking at what that's doing for you. Mm-hmm. you don't just let it run and forget about it. It's sort of tweaking and tinkering with that to make sure that it's working for you Um And the same with sort of the financial side of things, really drilling down on the numbers and making sure that every decision I make is smart. Because as fun as the shortlist is, it's not going to go anywhere unless all of these things add up. So I'm really sort of, I'm very methodical with the way I go about sort of tracking progress and things. And I find that really interesting, that stuff. It's not not the glamorous stuff. Um, It's not the Instagram stuff, but... I find it really rewarding when you start to see the numbers ticking the right way. You know that you're doing something right. Yeah, and I think, like you say, it's making that now really looking at the profit of the business and making that, you know, growing that growing that profit and making you a business that is going to be around in ten years' time, and so that you're still you're still there. And what's your ultimate vision? Would you say? you know what? I don't want to be doing all of this day-to-day stuff, not because I don't enjoy it. I think that I like to think in the future, I'll look back at these early days and just, you know, you know, they'll feel nostalgic, but I just don't think it, it bothers me that I'm not the best person for any of these things. I'm sort of muddling along at the moment and that's really engaging and I've really developed and it's rewarding in a lot of ways. But the idea of bringing on somebody, for example, I'm not very good with creating video content. And the idea of having somebody who's great at that, mm-hmm. teach me about it, who can take on that responsibility for the brand. And the same with lots of other areas, you know, a production assistant, you know, maybe working with in-house designers. So I'd love to get the shortlist to a point where it fulfills its potential because I'm able to grow a team yeah. and really talented people who are better than I am working with me. And is it something that you would like to see? Would Will you explore the wholesale side of things? And is that something you would like to do? I don't know about whole. I mean, it's just been so off the cards at the moment because my profit margins just, you know, make it impossible. But yeah, I mean, to see it in other stores, I mean, that I guess you'd really feel like you'd, you'd made it. So yeah, I imagine that is somewhere that I, I'd like to go. You know, I see other brands you know, seeing their things in Selfridges or, and yeah, that I guess that's an ultimate goal. And do you think you would ever go for external investment or is it something that you want to retain control of and self-fund the, the growth and the expansion? 
Yeah, so I thought about that recently um, because I took on, it was only a very small um, government loan, um, not much at all, but just to fund my advertising. And at the time, obviously, I considered crowdfunding and investment. And crowdfunding was just too much work, too much work. And um, investment, I just thought I can do this. I just had this voice that said, I don't want to give away part of my company because if I feel like I can muddle through and things are going to change this year and I just don't want to, you know, if I think it's going to be successful, then why would I want to give away for a fraction of what I think it could be worth? Yeah. So no. And I like to think if I ever got to the stage where I desperately needed investment, that I was doing some other things wrong because by my plans of what I'm changing this year, Hopefully, I think things are on the turn. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I think you're right in ter- from a crowdfunding point of view. People I've spoken to that have, I think crowdfunding and Kickstarter, it, it, they're good for particular types of businesses, but it's a lot of work, you know. So they're, I think they're great for like tech businesses and, you know, there's obviously there's other ones as well, but it, it is a lot of work to actually do it. And the time you'd spend to create your your marketing video that you have to do and X, Y, Z that you have to do, would you be better off spending that time and probably that money that you've got to do it on advertising, on email marketing, on, on whatever it might be to get more money in your business? Um, what would you say are your top tips to people that are thinking about um, starting a business and those that are, you know, in that startup stage as well, what would you really like to advise them? I think, I think I'm going to come back to my sort of very methodical approach to things It's always just been to break everything down as small as you can. I've actually done it recently. I did it before I started when I went, oh my God, how on earth do I start a fashion brand? I don't even know how piece, you know, pieces are made. I, researched it and just created sort of a a Gantt chart in Excel where I listed every single thing that I would have to do to get to a launch. And every time I thought of a new thing, I'd just add a new row in and just worked through everything really systematically. And that's how I did it because otherwise, you know, it would have been totally overwhelming, but I do the same thing now. I had a really terrible experience with a skirt last year. It was my best selling piece ever by absolutely miles. And I worked with a new print designer who was a fabulous print designer, but wasn't used to working with somebody who wasn't experienced like I was. And she designed prints in a different way to the way previous designers had done them for me. And she'd sent me ones that weren't a repeat pattern. Right. It was like a, it was a section of the print and wasn't clear about that at all. So when I got it printed, you could see sort of the line of where the tiles weren't matching up properly. And it was a disaster. I sort of turned it into a PR thing. I was really honest. I held my hands up. I offered £50. I, you know, I lost loads of money on that skirt, but came out of it looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, But after that, I thought, right, I'm going to have to really drill down on making sure that something like this never happens again. And so I created a list, a 75 step list of how you get each product from design to launch. And I work through every single step and I don't go on to the next step until I finish the last one. And it's just that level of protecting yourself because there's so much that can go wrong. Yeah. Have you have to do the unglamorous thing behind the scenes to to look after yourself because there's nobody else there sort of checking. Um, and so that that's that's been transformative for me. 
You should put that on LinkedIn, your 75 steps. It might be a very long post. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> sell it as a PDF. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get more people. I mean, yeah, I would sell it as a PDF. Um, I wouldn't put it as your email list because you'll get loads of people that are on, you're on your email list that, have, that are maybe like six foot five and are never going to buy for you. <laughs> but thank you very much for joining me today. And if you have enjoyed this, which I hope you have, then um, I would love for you to give uh, Start, Scale, Succeed a review and join up and subscribe and share it with those that you know will love it too. Thank you, Laura. Bye-bye.